What up, y'all? This is Open Mike Eagle, and this is another episode of Secret Skin. In this episode, I'm speaking with one of the Project Bloat OGs, one of the architects, one of the founders, Mr. Abstract Rude. We had a very wide-ranging conversation that's going to be split into two parts, and I'm going to call the whole thing How the Bloat Was Built. I think in this first episode, especially, you get the most detailed and intricate and... Um, What's the word when, when comprehensive is what I was looking for. Comprehensive layout of how him and AC alone started the project blowed uh, near the tail end of the good life cafe. Um, it kind of describes what AC's mindset was and putting together the new compilation and where they were in their careers. And also um, it gets into some really dope details of what ended up being an impromptu freestyle fellowship ab root and common versus Wu-Tang battle. On the Wake Up Show, uh, I think in the late 90s, early 2000s. I don't know exactly what year that was, but it's dope. We get never before heard details about a lot of that stuff. I think it's a great conversation. I look forward to you hearing it. I also look forward to seeing you. If you like coming to rap shows where I'm doing raps, me and uh, Video Dave are hitting the road soon. Um, next couple of shows are in LA and Santa Ana, California, where we'll be joined by the amazing Koreatown oddity. And then for East Coast shows in Boston, New York, DC and Philly, and then down in Texas and Houston, Austin and Dallas and in the Northwest and Seattle and Portland and in the Bay Area, we'll be joined by the amazing Serengeti. So grab a ticket and join us at a rap show. It'll be fun. You can support this show at patreon.com slash open mike eagle. You can join us there where we uh, I share private demos. I have a podcast that I do just for Patreon called the Hella Personal Podcast, where I answer user generated questions. And that's the show. Also unreleased demos. Also uh, early access to ticket sales and merch sales and all sorts of other goodies. And we have a private discord where we post our world scores. We talk about new music and video games and comic books, you know, all the stuff that makes me happy. This is Open Mike Eagle. This is Secret Skins, part of the Stony Island Audio Network. Tap in with all of our shows to hear fresh, fly conversation. It's hip hop related from all sorts of different angles. This is my conversation with Abstract Rules. It's part one of how the blow was built. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, y'all? It's another episode of Secret Skin, and I'm privileged, honored, and excited to be joined by another one of my OGs. I'm from a legendary family, one of the patriarchs, one of the founders we got in the building, Mr. Abstract Rude. How you doing today, brother? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. It's good to come into your space, this peaceful setting like this, and sit down and talk to you. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad it feels nice and, and, and peaceful. Speaking of, of of peaceful, and even speaking of this town, I mean, you know, I ain't from here. It took some time getting to know brothers, but ultimately I was welcomed into this family. And so 
you know, just off top. I want to express my appreciation for that. And then um, I was going to ask you, do you remember when we first met? Because it's kind of a funny story. <laughs> when we first, first met? I think, I think this was the first time, if I'm not mistaken. Like, there may have been a time or two at the Blowed where, you know what I'm saying, I was there, you was there, but we didn't really, like... I remember first meeting you, like, really connecting with you at the Juice. Right. Okay. Thing okay. that I did. But I'm sure it was a time before that. But I remember Kenny Siegel, who was my roommate at the time, always coming back after Juice and kind of giving me reports of who he thought was really taking it serious. Got you. And you were among the names. And Shout I was like, Siegel. oh, that the, the one with the dreads. <laughs> and so like I knew who he was talking about with the like no cans and dumbfounded you psychosis at the time. They like y'all were the ones that were really taking it serious that he thought he was gonna make something, you know, actually dope with. Okay. The funnier story I remember on the 10th anniversary tour, I was working a lot at the bloat office at the time, and I always tell people like that time was just invaluable to me having a career because just going and sitting with with Badru while he kind of was orchestrating stuff on the business side and like AC and cool to be up in there. And like, you know, I really got to learn like how the career worked. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody was dope, but then, you know, they taught me how to put albums in Amoeba and Rasputin and, and how to make them phone calls and show me how they was booking the tour. And I used to go and do merch shows and all of that. But I remember Bad telling me when when the 10th anniversary tour started, he was like, oh, whatever shows you willing to go to, come, just come. You'll, you'll be able to get on and do something. I'm like, okay, cool. And <laughs> I drove to, I think it was, it was either San Jose or San Francisco by myself. I get up there and you're stage manager. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> I know it's coming. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I drove my ass for six hours or whatever it was. And um, I'm like, yo, what up? Um, Bad told me I could do something. <laughs> he was like, go with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I did. Man, like, but I'm also, you know, I when I think back to how I was, I'm stepping in there feeling like, I'm old something, but really, you know what I'm saying? Like that wasn't, I had a false sense of how things were because I only had a few relationships and I really didn't understand how the whole thing works. So, you know, me and you got in a, a little bit of an argument, but okay. you know what I'm saying? See, I don't even remember that. That's crazy, but I'm not surprised just because I'm always locked in yeah. for the mission. And I would have been one of the ones that thought I was in sync with whoever was supposed to be on the dossier, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? But that just kind of signifies how at the time we were expanding because you had Jay Smooth and Bad Drew actually trying to um, breathe a lot of life into Project Blow recordings and, and run it as a viable business. And they were doing the right thing, which we always had done, which was, you know, extend to the, the other generations. And I was just a little behind, admittedly, right? I was a little behind from, cause I had, there came that time where we kind of couldn't just keep going to the blow every Thursday or it felt like we couldn't, 
because it felt like kids would just wait to hang out hang out with us there and not like come pay to see us at the L. hundred percent. And once it became more of a livelihood kind of a thing, not just we're doing this for fun and for the culture because we love it, but like we're feeding our families off this. It changed the the dynamic a little bit. So I got a little disjointed and disconnected, a lot probably actually, with everything that was happening. But I will say this, when I would tap in and come back in and see all the different parts being added, I'd have that, you know, like, okay, let me see for myself. But then be like, okay, I trust the homie. Then it got to the point where I wouldn't really even have to see for myself before I would trust it, right? And um, you guys start well customer service, but then the whole the whole uh, thirsty fish swim you know swim team. team collective, like were responsible for just my my trust starting to ease, and it was kind of like okay, I know if Bad Drew, AC and Smooth, cool, especially cool, because cool ever <laughs> since we've been at the good life, he led the peanut gallery of like who was gonna get booed or not. So if like my niggas right here is co-signing, then I know we good. And I'm gonna trust all these bloatians, and I embraced everybody, you know, eventually. Yeah, I mean, and even since then, like you've been one of the ones that have really like, and even every subsequent generation, you've been the one to really pull people in. You know what I'm saying, and 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 really give them that stamp. But it was just a testament, really, to like you saying. By the time I got there, and I'm going to blow it every week. Sometimes me and Devious are hosting, and you know what I'm saying. And it's like some of the big homies, they not supposed to be there every week because that's not the function. If y'all got a song y'all want to come do, and yeah, if y'all want to pop in, and yeah, but like it's not on y'all at that point to really be making it go from week to week, and so. The understanding I ultimately got was like, there was like waves of initiation kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like you got yes. cool with who was there. Then you met the OGs and then you met people who used to be OGs that don't live here. No, like it was a constant cycle. You know what I'm saying? But just, you know, it was, it was full of these little rude awakening. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> yes. I like, like how gang culture yeah. is out here, right? Where you might be like the little homie coming up, putting in work, you know, with the OGs. That was in jail or whatever, don't know who you are, and they get out, you know what I mean, checking you, and you're like, I've been putting in work, but then they get to know who, who you are. And we, you know, we came out of that, you know, the West Coast I rap think, I comes think out of gang that's culture. That's one of the things that's really, once you are here and you in it, you see it, but people outside don't really understand that, like how intertwined the blow community and the LA underground was with that gang life, because it wasn't like, you know, people who was rapping still lived in the hood and still dealt with that. So that culture is like it's still present in the L.A. underground. You couldn't avoid it. You absolutely could not avoid it. You walk out your door every day, you know, you mixed up in something, right? It just matters how far at the top you mixed up in it. But you weren't going to avoid getting checked. You weren't going to avoid just because you weren't from a gang, somebody being like, where you stay? Right. Oh, I stay over by the swap meet. Oh, you from Bram then? No, I'm not. Oh, I stay over here off High Park and and, and, and Oh, you from CP? You from Sentinella? No, I'm not. But you be kicking it with them, no? <laughs> <laughs> Just your feet constantly yeah, yeah. held to the fire to where eventually, as you uh, put your crews and things like that together, you're kind of holding each other to those same sort of standards. But if there is anything positive, I think why why youth, you know, fall into that lifestyle is because they do feel the love and the mm -hmm. brotherhood, you know, and sisterhood 
inside that unit where when you do buy into it, there are a lot of benefits. Right, 100%. And so I'm, I'm proud that you have that story to tell because it just means that even if like maybe Abru is probably the nicest one, but you still ain't going to have an easy time through him just, just coming in. If I'm the nicest one and you go drive six hours, it'd be like, nah, homie. You ain't, I don't know yet. I don't care who told you what. We got to all the 20 people, because it was 20 people. Yeah. You had a lot to manage. You had on, a lot. On and the mic. That's the other thing I didn't really understand either. The ego management and the time management and like all of that stuff that you had to, you was really the only one doing that while also doing your set. There's a lot that falls on the heads of heads that have that slightest little bit of responsibility in them. And I didn't realize all of that was on you at that time. Either. Right, like you, you know, drove six hours for, for that one show. They had all left their homes, right, to drive what could have been you know, hundreds of hours yep. by the time we finished that whole run. 100%. And each one was already fighting for their little sliver of time that we could get. Crazy part, me and AC really could care less how much time we got, as long as whoever paid was it unhappy. So I really didn't care how much stage time I got, right? I would have gave you willingly at that time, especially in my career. I would have given everyone on that tour, me and AC, because that's part of why we did it, right? Yeah. Was to try to expose the whole crew more. We had just come off a haiku run, doing you know our own hour. You know, we got our we got our shine on. We like let the crew shine. But if the promoter is like, man, I'm only getting less than 30 minutes of whoever they think, you know, so there was those issues too. The oral history that we all know in our hearts here in LA is that you and AC started Project Blow. I'm really curious about like what those initial conversations were like with you and Ace. Like, why did y'all feel like y'all needed to start a new thing? Like, what were y'all addressing by starting the new spot? Well, it was really AC who, first of all, Project Blowed, the thought of that name started from getting blowed from brothers like in the puff marijuana. And Ganja K and Mean Green, peace be upon both of them, mm -hmm. who we lost a couple of years back, they were the main purveyors of that. <laughs> uh, Ganja had went to school up in Humboldt, I think at Humboldt State University, okay. and met all the white boys up there, who actually, there was a strain called Chronic, there was a strain, old school strain. Mm -hmm. He brought it back and even named himself Ganja K, the chronic MC with the K. And um, even before Dre used it, there was some somebody else, I forget their name, that had had a song using the chronic or something like that. And and Snoop and all them, but when they would go to the studio with Dre on Wilshire, they would come through and get their weed from, from Ganja. So that's why Chronic, the Chronic album, all that. It came from Good Life and Project Blow. One night they're having a um, hot box session. It's Mean Green, Ganja K, AC Alone, Mark the Murderer. So like first brigade heads and probably like Riddler, mm -hmm. right? So uh, back then people would try to sign the list at the Good Life and and wait and sign it by fellowship or sign it by volume 10 or by medusa to make sure they could rap at a time where everybody was in there paying attention exactly so the homies started getting slick with it having little alias names I that see, they would sign I see okay right so if you put 
all they all decided at that hot box session that they're gonna go up in the good life and rap together. If I would have seen AC Alone, Ganja K, Mean Green, Mark the Murder, Riddler all on the same thing, I'd have put my name right, right before or right after <laughs> right. that. So instead of that, they signed it as Project Blowed. Now that's AC. That's his wit being like Project Blowed. So I, I got to give all credit to, to him just for coming up with that name and the association of being blowed and then going up in there and essentially doing a project right. on the mic together. And it's cloaked where the whole, the code and the sector, because see, you're cloaking. You don't want nobody to know who you are on this list right now. But you're going to come in and you're going to drop, you know, all these jewels on them, right? So that was the mind state. And I got it instantly. I was there that night. I was lucky enough to be there and saw him do it. And they actually, AC had this, the fellowship had a publishing deal to where after their deal ended with Island through MCA, they were able to go in and use MCA studios and record demos. And Micah and him were both able to do it. I know because it, me and Fat Jack went in with Micah to do some demos with him back before they both got signed to Capitol or as they were getting signed and, you know, making the first music for their Capitol deals. So I used to always trip off that, like, damn, they lucky. Like, mm -hmm. the homies get to just come up in here, right? So AC had took Rid and all them in there and Jurassic was one of the songs they made. Okay. It's the audio, auditorio, dynamics, don't panic, frantic, put me in the middle when I'll battle, fight them all, manic, depressing, for sonic, embellishment, nuts and bolts and millions of bolts and concrete and asphalt, it's the end of the world and jump out with it for someone to open a game. So at that Project Blow classic first night where they signed the list is that, which is on the bonus footage of Ava's DVD. This is the life, by the way. You can actually see the real moment Project Blow was technically born. They got up and did those verses off Jurassic. And even Red kind of forgets part of his verse and he freestyles out of it. But AC and Spoon both do theirs like perfect, just like it was recorded, right? And so after that, it caused such a stir that AC remembered that when Soombi did the Tomb and May Concern tape with all of them years later, 90, 91, the synergy that basically led to them getting their deal. So he smartly knew like, okay, there's a lot he got, you know, they'd go on tour, he'd come back and we were like Chia Pets or Gremlins. We were just growing dopeness. He's like, man, like, all these fools is getting, he's like, they all using our styles, but like they dope though. And oh, he got a wrinkle. Oh, he got a different wrinkle. Like they using our shit, but, but they trying to make it theirs. And they are, and some of them are actually succeeding at that, right? So he basically masterfully came to everybody he heard that had dope demos. So me and Fat Jack right around the corner have been making a bunch of stuff for our demos. Because back then you made demos so that you could play them for some A&R who had power of the pins you could get signed. So Figures of Speech, you know, it was this producer named DJAC. He was very prolific because he had an ADAT, an audio digital audio tape machine, advanced digital audio tape machine, which was like gold back then because we could actually record something just professional enough. You could damn near flirt with just putting it out, which we basically did. So because I was signed to the same management company as him, which was ran by this white man named Kevin Weaver, him in volume 10 
started it together and they signed OMD and me. Kevin Weaver now runs, he's like big wig at Atlantic Recordings, by the way. Last I tapped in with him online, still cool, like, like, like looking in on me, like that I kept going. I shouldn't have never left him, in other words. But um, they had DJ too signed. And so he they were like, record with Ab. So basically, and then from me working with him, we'd make a track damn near every week. Like I never rapped over the same thing at The Good Life and I never kicked the same rap once. And I rapped every Thursday for three years straight. I probably only missed Thanksgiving and Christmas Thursday. So that's out of 52 weeks, 50 times. That's 50 different raps. So I put, I became Ab Rue by putting 150 pieces of art up in that motherfucker. Holla back and memorizing that shit every Thursday. If I forgot freestyle, a lot of that shit. So it was from that, that DJAC, because he loved me. Because he actually really, he had, you know, the CV cats. And, you know, there was there was tension. They had, like, gotten into it. You know, Hez didn't think he was that dope as an MC because he, he rapped. Oh, so too. he rhymed too. He DGAC. rhymed too. Okay. And he grabbed onto Trend and Funky One, to Funky Trend. He was, like, their favorite group. He, that, that was his favorite group. And so he would do beats for them, but he was also doing beats for me. Everybody heard the shit he was doing with me, and then figures of speech was like, we want some DJ Vincent. He so he made power of the P. I see. He okay. made uh Don't Get It Twisted. I am giant, I criticize and analyze the lives of the blue eyes with my black eyes. Because they tried to keep me down, but they found that I was not bowing down. I'm only down with my people, my black. He did masquerade. Masquerade the first beat. It's okay, because different beats all through it. Yeah, the first beat is him. Okay, here's the concept. Me and abstract with no contact from the outside world expose the lows of the masquerading shows. And this is how the story goes. And the second beat was Fat Jack. And then, you know, a lot of in every any little interlude thing, he those were his masks. So he was a big part of producing that album. So AC kind of just kind of, you know, came in like, all right, let's do it. And everybody brought their songs together. Like the blueprint from To Whom It May from Concern. From To Whom It Concern. Into this but the, new But, but to era. answer your question about the conversations, it started with the song. So he heard my demo that I made with DJ and Fat Jack. You remember which song? One was called The New Era. One was called Whispers in the Dark. And one was called Other, Th Other Things and Eve's Nings. But people used to just call it Eve. I was weird naming my songs all kind of weird <laughs> shit. But um, that demo got covered in Unsigned Hype in Herb by, I believe his name was Todd Rosenberg or something like that. But he, he was a lawyer and he would write for publications. I remember when I first opened up the Herb magazine, I was still in 11th grade, like, like 91, 92. And Will 1X was in there in the unsigned hype. It obviously worked out. They went on to sign with At Band Clan and all that. And like he wrote that article. So, and it was some like this band member dude named Ali, who Fat Jack used to work with and let him sample him in exchange for studio time, had been the lead singer of Body Count before Ice T came on and wanted him to spill all his gangster shit. He didn't want to do it, so he left the band. He's the one who had all these different connections that got me in these magazines. So anyway, I'm like already seeing that like, okay, Ace is hearing that demo. A lot of people, I was getting hype, you know what I mean? So now I'm a member of Fellowship. I feel hella like proud and honored, you know what I mean? And he got at me. And then while he's getting at me at The Good Life, saying like, yeah, I want to do a song with you. And we worked that out. 
then Fat Jack's like, wait a minute, I know you. Turns out Fat Jack and his brother have put out, uh, you know, ads in the paper trying to get rappers way back when they had first started their studio. And AC alone was one of the people that replied. And when he went to their house, they were like, let us hear you rhyme. Like if we sitting here in the living room and he's like, okay, well, I want to hear, I want to see the equipment that was back there. And they didn't trust this any nigga from the hood, you know what I mean? <laughs> so they're like, well, you know, we'll get to that. And he's like, oh, he thought there was bullshit. So kind of like me and you in San Jose, when they called him back, uh, he was like, who is it? And it was like, tell, tell him I ain't here. And he was like, yeah, he don't live here no more. <laughs> like, but then Fat Jack was like, I remember you. And they was, so they had this whole epiphany. Then AC started coming right around the corner to Stepney, right around the corner in between Hyde Park and, and, and Sentinel on Stepney. He, he started coming about once a week and we started writing that song. And um, first we, we, were, we were writing the slow part because that was Fat Jack's beat. So we were writing to the slow part. So writing Masquerade? Masquerade. And it took us, it took us from about, it took us from about, uh, I'd say, September, October to January, just to finish writing that second part. Because we would literally almost write a bar or two to four bars at a time. And we would both take, a, I think I was I was writing a little faster than him. And you could kind of hear, he, he really like sort of engineered and made that all make sense in his masterful way that he's always able to. Like when you hear his verses on boundaries. I see, I saw, I'm the future of the past, I'm me, I'm y'all. I see, I saw, I'm the future of the past, I'm me, I'm y'all. I'm the enemy, friend, and the law, the beginning, then, and all, the final call, the wrong. He just, he's, he's can be so descriptive. And I was relishing in that. Cause I don't think I could quite write like that yet. So that was just like an impactful time. But after we had finished that song, I was quickly like, oh, it's not really long enough. And we, we worked out that, that second part, went over to DJs to record it. And then we just decided like, this compilation is taking so long to put together. Why don't we just have a single first and just roll with that idea? So we put out the masquerade and we made this other song just on the fly. We wrote that this round the fly called Double Dose right at DGX house in like an hour. We just scribed that out and then put a couple of other little things we have from demos on there. And man, went up to Crossroads on Sunset, got our little tapes, you know what I mean? Put them on, wrote on them ourselves. And, but I even had this sense back then, I remember this is one of the lessons I told y'all at the how to, how to build a fan base thing way back in 05 that I mentioned earlier, where the way I remember us first meeting you and really connecting with you and having a lot of respect for y'all seeking that type of knowledge. Cause y'all was even trying to take pictures of your camera of my notes at the end. Like I was yeah, about to, y'all yeah, 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 yeah. was like, wait a minute, let's, <laughs> I didn't think about it like that, right? But one of the lessons I said was, you only want your first tape to be a handwritten thing like that. From then on, you want to be going to disc up, makers man. and have real art and all of that. And we did that. I'm proud of that. I'm proud that we had these real humble beginnings, but we pushed ourselves from pawning whatever we had, Nintendos, cameras, old Polaroids. And then we, we even got some money from like some homies. So like Fizz Ed and, and the homie Terrence from Point Blank who were in radio, they even kicked in half the money. Let us get the tapes. And from then on, it just, we started believing it more every day once we had the tape. Cause now what you gonna do? 
You're going to be a bitch and just sit back and not go push your tapes. You're going to be shy. You ain't going to never make your money back. And one thing, see, me and Tribe Unique, we was hustlers. We sold incense, oils, all that. So I, I was good out in the streets with people. Had my little Walkman, peep this, whatever. We were, we were like major underdogs with, with the style, like the fellowship style wasn't just heavily embraced like that. People were like, it's weird. So we're talking about like 94? Yeah, 94. So we started writing that song in 93. AC doesn't even know that I'm like 16, about to turn 17 when we started writing it. I turned 17 that November, and then I graduated that June. He thought I was Zulu in them age because their Zulu's like four years older than me, and I was the tallest one out of us. I just wasn't saying that. Right. <laughs> like, I, was, I was stealing mom's car to go to the good life. Mom, can I go to Taco Bell? Yeah. Cause you know I was good, got my little driving permit. I'm at the good life. That's a long, that's a now long time. It's, it's eight to ten, <laughs> right? So I'm strategically asked around seven forty-five. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why I always signed the list early, as soon as I could. I didn't care about no, no, not until I got out of high school that I started trying to, you know what I mean? But then I quickly kind of because I rapped so much and quickly got known as as one of the ones you want to hear. People was trying to sign by me before I was even 18 up in that motherfucker. But see, it was a lot of us like that. Peace, Ahmad, Skilo. A lot of us came in there young like that. I mean, bus driver, uh, Rafi, went on to be called James Worthy. They was even all younger than me. The, uh, the Misfit, the Bastard, CR and them, Verb. They was all younger than me versus CR. But it truly was amazing to be right there at the beginning of what I could tell was finna be the next to make concern. I knew it. I don't think Tribe Unique knew it. I don't think Fat Jack or DJ Act knew it. Did they know the mindset AC was bringing to it? You know, they kind of looked at me focusing on that as a distraction. From your solo stuff? From our solo ATU okay. stuff. Right, like, right, right, right. why are you doing that backpacker stuff? You know, you we bigger than that. We should be like Arrested Development. And they were right, but from coming up in a crew that was all dancers, I never had those MC brothers like that. I had my one homie, I-Rock, in San Diego when I was schooled out there for 10th grade. I did everything right out there so I could come back because I could feel me slipping away from the culture. I'd come back on Thanksgiving and these niggas already had their dreads going and dressing <laughs> with flowers, silk paisley shirts with one suspender off and dyed shits. I'm like, oh, I'm behind, I'm behind. Mom, please let me come back. She's like, I don't want to be all that tagging, all that. You better get good grades, clean your room. I'm like, I'll do everything, I promise, <laughs> right? So, I mean, just to just to get to the good life, no one knew. That was that was crucial for me. That was like, like to become abstract rule for me, was a hell of a journey. We so close to our kids now. You think about, you know, how close we are in hip hop, that, that generation gap that we've bridged. My daughter could never get away with some shit like that. Right. <laughs> we know what all the slang is that they saying, even if we, we'll quickly find out what's that new thing. Oh, they mean that. Moms really did no shit. So I'm up there. Every move I made, it was crucial for me. I was serious about it. So that's what I'm saying. I don't think the homies really knew what was in AC's head, but I believed him. I trusted him because I have full allegiance to the good life and freestyle fellowship. And I could tell that Jupe going down and then peace kind of 
being just so the way he was, so aggressive. I could tell that like they needed a little bit, like a little boost. And I knew me and Fat Jack at Tribe Unique could give it to him. And not just us, the masked men, Smooth, Toon, AWOL. CVE really stepping up right there. Well, of course. See, he okay, AC was smart because he himself grabbed onto CVE mm -hmm. and the Knox. And those were his people, Archie and Trick. And those are all his homies. They like they were up in the good like CVE was up in the good life right. with Eddie the first night in December of 89. You know what I mean? So they were all cool. I I was trying to get in Nathan. I was trying to prove that I belong, that I wasn't just this melodic speech. Mm. Yeah, that was important for me. And I'll tell you, it manifested in ways where we'd be out and somebody say something, I'd be the first to jump. That's why you, you saw me that aggressive like that on that Wu-Tang thing we did. First of all, we had no intention to go in there battling those guys. We loved those guys and thought they were tight. We respected what they've done to this day, the legacy they've created. We're trying to be the West Coast Wu-Tang. Hyro probably did it. You know what I mean? Legends. They, they're like coming close to probably what they've, what they've done, and we celebrate all that, right? There was never no division amongst us with that, even though we banged for the West because we never felt that much love coming from New York and still don't, by the way. But Swain Tech, kind of twit. We thought we going in there to just talk about our album. And and they're like, oh, oh, we got the, oh, it's, it's a rhyme thing. They, they set it up like a battle. And we like, ah, oh, So they didn't tell, so they didn't tell y'all y'all was coming in, even though they had this kind of two studio set up where they're out here in the West. They had like, was it Marley Marl or somebody Marl. out in the East yeah. with the, do you know if they told them it was going to be yeah, that kind of back and forth? Yeah, they have been doing it. We should have been listening. See, that's us. We, you know, underground hip hop, we abandoned the radio. Right. Back in like even the wake up show though, I, pe I don't even think people really understand that. Like it was really underground. Like they wasn't really playing like L.A. underground music right. like that on the wake up show. Right. You heard. Yeah. You would hear everything but our shit. But we started feeling some love, especially as we like got our deals and things like that. We started feeling love from them. It was our fault for not preparing and 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 listening to their show to knowing the format that they did it. Because we should have known that that's what they were doing. But we knew, we, we'd tune in and hear Born Allah and Exhibit and Razkaz and all and, and Michael Myers and Ahmad and Supernatural and everybody killing it. And if we could catch one of them, it was always enjoyable. That was one of the best, better ones. I just thought shit like that was happening. I knew, we we all knew we was going to rap at some point. But you thought it was just going to be y'all just having a, a display of y'all thing. Like, like, oh, y'all fellowship, and now you're doing haiku. Oh, you bought Advent. What's up with that? And oh, okay, what y'all doing now? All right, we'll show the people a little yeah. bit of what y'all doing. Put some beats on and, and then just we go for it. Yeah. But the way it went down and rolled out for us, it shifted it. Now I'm just explaining to you the mode I was in still. Because I mean, what was that? 97? You know, it definitely was before. I think that was 97. So I'm still in prove it mode. I'm still and I'm going to take your head off first so that when we get back, they're going to be like, damn, Ab, man, Ab just, Ab went in. Like, Ab didn't give a fuck. Yo, we got the Scorpion Abstract Groove from ATU Abstract Groove and Tribe Unique Mass Man. Project Blow Heavyweights, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Universal. Here we go. Yes. We got the one and only Copycat Killer, a.k.a. Michael Myers in the place to be. For people who haven't heard that, and that video, you can you can see some of that on YouTube. But 
I do want you to tell a little bit of that story because I think it's such a fucking dope story that unfolds so many layers of, of, of the whole journey of this just in that one day. You know, it was a long day for us because we were up in San Francisco working on our album, The Haiku d'Etat. We were finishing up mixing it and adding extra vocals. And they had planned this appearance for us. Organics, Kevin Fitzgerald, who went on to do the film Freestyle, The Art of Rhyme. He planned this in in his mind for a scene for that film. Ah. And this scene is in that film. There's been a few different cuts. Like one cut, I wasn't in it. Then I popped back in it in the cut you see now. So that's what it was. They're listening to us in Atlanta, the Bay Area, San Jose, Oakland, Champaign, Illinois, Raleigh, North Carolina, Japan, Tennessee. We were already kind of reluctant. You know, we're playing kind of like rappers don't want to play. We're like, the album's not even out yet. It's so you ain't got nothing to really promote, promote. There you go. Right. We're like, we don't really want to go up there, but he's pushing it. They're like, we got to go. We got to go. They're rushing us to leave the bay and, you know, six hour drive. So we are already kind of tired and sluggish and have been probably rapping, battling each other the whole way or arguing a combination <laughs> of, of both. And by the time we get up there, I remember it was like a pep talk. Micah gave us all a pep talk. Like, okay, F, Ace, we all, we go, go in there and let them know who we are, right? There was that kind of thing before the base, before the game, before the big game. We are going to be broadcast worldwide. Our voices automatically makes them our fans as soon as they hear us worldwide. We go up in there. And I don't know, I still hear, can hear Sway saying it to this day because he sees us. And I guess it was his reaction because he's like, oh, oh, it's on. I got him. I got the MCs in here. Molly Marl, what's up? Yeah, we got. So we're like, uh, oh, it's like that? Like, we have to prove it? Like, we have to, you want us to do that thing we do? Like, you want to bring that beast out of us right now? And you want that to happen? So we're like, okay. And I think we let them go first. Hey, Marley, y'all set it off first, all right? This is how we do worldwide wake-up show. Pirate Radio, we gonna throw it to you, Marley Marl. Custodian, Capadonna. The Rat Napoleon, Capadonna. The Mongolian, Capadonna. In hindsight, Capadonna or Killer Priest, whoever it was that went, was just kicking something off the album. And it had the, you know... It had the Elohim Kabbalah woke shit in there, which we was on at the time. We were all coming into the consciousness, reading the ISIS papers and the keys of Enoch and all these different things at the same at the same time. And so, you know, we felt like we were building on it more than them. You know what I mean? The galactic consciousness and the Malachi York and the, you know, Anunnakians and the Rezekians. And we felt like we had a handle, yeah, on the Sirius and the Orion and all that. So I'm like, oh, he think he on levels we ain't on or something, <laughs> right? And, and we thinking he freestyling. We didn't, I later found out it was, it was his written. So that's part of where my whole mind state was like, man, I got to dig deep into here. Like, like Ace went first. Ace took off all free. I was proud of my homie. <laughs> I was proud of my big homie. He took off all free, just like we was in the car. And I'm like, oh, Ace ain't playing. Who's up next? Who's up next? Well, I'm up, I'm about to erupt. I deducted all 
all this time just to blow your mind. Understand when I unwind, I signed it. Dot line com. These MCs, I dropped the bomb. I manifested, grabbed the mic and requested. I digested, investigated. I sure hated. Just watch what you're talking about and watch what you're saying. And ain't playing. I'm grabbing the microphone and keep on swaying. Taking these MCs are checking. And then Common said something. Oh, I forgot Common. Get Common's but, with y'all too. Yeah, Common was there and Michael Myers. But in hindsight, he was just bigging him up. He he said, I cap a Don every time I kill a priest. And run that T- Telling y'all brothers I can feel the west And feel the east I'm a rap son of man So I kill a priest When I come through Let y'all know How I grip the mic With the kung fu The rap son do Anything It was free You can tell he had Sort of preconceived it But in his mind He was just like build, Bigging them yeah, up Yeah 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 Like cause if you think About what he said It's kind of like Some conscious street You know shit to say Right And um I took that Like he was He was firing one so I'm like, oh, it's on. Because when we got in there, too, he was like, I don't know what side I'm on. I'm from the Midwest. Right, so I don't right. know. What, he's like, I'm on y'all side. <laughs> right? And then we were, so I'm, all this climate of competitiveness and shit being said, I'm young. I'm trying to prove it. I don't know what's going on. So I just fire. Shot across the bow. I just come out. And but I wasn't even mad. I was trying to bring it out of myself. Mm. Because see, we always spar with each other. Shoot jabs, sharp ones too, right? And then you'll get going. Oh, whenever I freestyle, I throw out around. Not, not that I'm ever trying to throw out trash. If 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 I feel it from the gate, it, it'll be lit from the gate. Otherwise, I'm gonna see what y'all coming with. I'm gonna see what levels we going to, right. and then and I'm gonna go stand, in, yeah. right? So credit to Killer Priest and Capadonna for like how they bars were, is that's what brought that out of me. And in the end, yeah, we were happy at the end of it. But like, I remember Micah kind of being like, like Ace was just like, you took off full dope. And I was like, you did too. And he was like, yeah, I had, he was like, yeah, I had, I had to go all free. I went, I couldn't even think of nothing written mm. in the moment. I was like, I really couldn't either. Cause Mike actually tried to come written uh, when he came the first time. So we was just on that. And then Mike was like, man, why you kill him like that, though? And I was like, what? what? I didn't really even remember what I said. <laughs> Turns out I'm like, fade away your whole, you know what I'm saying? Crush your continent. Crush your clan. I'm going to fade away your method. I'm like, I'm saying all kind of good shit, right? <laughs> I'm like, word, word. And then we sitting in there like, Kilo calling. Why is Abstract Rule so mad? Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, this ain't good. This ain't good, right? But then I was just kind of like, fuck it. Nobody really heard that shit. Man, they put that shit on YouTube. That shit still exists to this day. I remember my homie in Portland, my G, last thing I'll say, was had Capadonna at his studio. And like I was on the phone with him. And then he put him on a three-way. I'm like, <laughs> what you doing, man? But then we 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 both said that. He was like, oh, y'all was rhyming. He's like, we was just up in there rhyming. I was like, yeah, what? He was like, people took it like it was a battle. But we were, he was like, we weren't battling. I'm like, no, nah, it wasn't a battle. Like, we were confused, but ultimately it wasn't a battle in our hearts like that. Or we probably we would have came way harder. I mean, it's kind of wild too, because y'all are in different rooms. 
So y'all can't see each other to get a vibe of how it really is, too. So you're really just going off the rhyme. So it's really easy to just be like, all right, I got I to gotta go in there blade swinging because, you know what I'm saying? Because I really don't know what the energy is. I see people on TikTok and things and Instagram now able to do that, you know, rhyme or one's playing the beat and they're sitting there rhyming to it or, or whatever. It's like... Maybe we was in the early stages of that mm. of that kind of thing. Yeah, and big up Swain Tech for doing something that dope. Cause it's three hours later over there. And right. to have coordinate that, all of that. Yeah, for Marley to have that caliber of MC ready to go. And them to, even if it was by mistake, think about who they had in there. They had Fellowship, Common. you know, Haiku Common, Michael Myers. All of in the same spot, ready to go, while everyone's listening. Like, like the only thing we're watching these days that are getting the ratings like that is, is sporting events, right? The NFL. That's why they they run advertising, right? But like, they had everybody ready to go and listening, and then it became like this lasting dope moment for hip hop. Stony Island Audio.